Welcome to Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall. How are we as Christians supposed to live in this world? And it's becoming a great challenge for us to live the Christian life as it should be in the world that we are living in. And um, it's, it's becoming more controversial just to be a Christian. You know, you say Christian things today. You express Christian values and truths today. And all of a sudden you're attacked as being intolerant and unloving and un-American and non-patriotic and all of this kind of stuff. And you're just expressing biblical truth. And so it's a challenge to live for the Lord. You got to have some thick skin to live for the Lord these days as the Lord would have you to live for him. We got to have tender hearts. We know that, but we got to have thick skin as well to live for our Lord. And, and so in this particular part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is addressing some issues that we're going to face as Christians. And how are Christians to respond to these kinds of issues and these kinds of situations in life. They're going to happen. They're going to occur. So how are we as Christians supposed to respond to, to these things? How are we supposed to, as Christians, uh, you know, act when these situations happen in our life? And so we read this morning, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 38. Here's what Jesus said. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Now, those are the verses we looked at last week, but we read them today because they're kind of connected to what we're looking at today. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus says this, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward of you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? But if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore... You shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, it is human nature for us to strike out against our enemies. That's just the way we're built. If we have an enemy, that enemy attacks us. It's human nature for us to respond in kind and like kind. But here's what the Lord is saying, and it's radical. This was radical for his day. This was a radical thing for him to say. It was radical for his day, and it's radical for our day. Jesus leads us down a different path. Here's what he says. He says to his followers that we are to love 
our enemies. Now, I know how we're wired. I know how we read the Bible. When we read something like this, we read it in the head, but in our heart, our head is saying, okay, I hear that. Our heart is saying, dang, no way. That's how we read this. We kind of dismiss this as something that only Jesus could do. Dismiss this as some kind of panacea thing. We kind of dismiss this as being something that's not really relevant to our life because there's no way we could possibly love our enemies. Well, that's a mistake for us to do that. Because what Jesus is saying here is very applicable to our life. It's his instruction. It's his teaching. And yes, it's hard. And yes, it's difficult. And yes, it's a tremendous challenge. But I will remind you again, the Christian life is not an easy life. It's not going to be easy till we get to glory. <laughs> it's the, and then all of our problems will be solved. And we'll have perfect peace in the presence of our Father. But until we get there, we're going to have these challenges. So Jesus says for his believers that we are to love our enemies. Now, I will tell you this. This is not national, this is personal. Jesus is not talking to nations. He's talking to individuals and he's talking to individual Christians. This is applicable to the Christian life. This is not to be applied to nations. Our nation has enemies. Enemies that want to destroy us. Enemies that are getting stronger each and every day. Enemies who no longer fear the United States of America with a, a fear that they should have. Enemies who want to take advantage of us, we are very vulnerable as a nation. So what do we do with our enemies on a national sense? Well, we pray for them. And we pray that there will not be any kind of confrontation, not any kind of thing that would cause us to go to war with anybody. We pray for them. We pray for peace. We want peace. But we also have a good, strong national defense as well. The best way to have peace in the world is to have a good, strong army. That makes people afraid of challenging you and attacking you. And so this is not a national thing. This, Jesus is not speaking to nations. And those who try to apply this to nations make a mistake. This is a personal thing. He's talking to individual believers when he says that we are to love our enemies. Is it practical? Well, in the human sense, no, it's not practical. But it is Christian. The Bible speaks of different kinds of love. It speaks of romantic love and family love and love between friends and Christian love and the love that we have for God and the love that God has for us. But in this passage, Jesus gives a command. Now, this is not a holy suggestion, okay? Jesus is not suggesting that this might be a good thing for us to do. This is written and, and spoken in an imperative way. Jesus is giving us a command. He commands us to love our enemies and to love those who have wronged us. Now, how do you do that? Well, first of all, we have to understand the true nature of love. Here's what the Bible teaches. And the Bible, when it teaches on things, the Bible is the expert. <laughs> I mean, if you want to know the truth about something, if the Bible addresses it, go to the Bible comes from the God of truth, he who embodies the truth, he who is the truth, and the Bible will always tell us the truth. If you want to know the true nature of love, not the Hollywood nature of love, not the Shakespearean nature of love, you know, the, the thing that we, we say sometimes, we fell in love, that came from Shakespeare, and Shakespeare didn't know nothing. 
He was, you know, a playwright, but that's all right. You know, what is love? What is the true nature of love? Well, here's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that love is more than a feeling and an emotion. Now, love obviously has its feelings, and love obviously has its emotions. But true love, see, the most, the, the, the most shallow part of our personality is our feelings and our emotions. You know, you can eat a good piece of pecan pie and be absolutely giddy and happy. But 30 minutes later, when it gives you acid reflux, you're not so happy. And you're not feeling happy. You know, our, our feelings, our emotions are the most shallow part of who we are. And yes, love is a, is, is a feeling and an emotion, but it goes much deeper than that. True love goes much deeper than that. Here's what the Bible teaches, that above all, love is a choice. Love is something you choose to do. Love is a matter of the will. It's a matter of the heart, but it's also a matter of the will. And that's why the Bible commands God's people to love our enemies. Again, this is not a national thing. This is a, a personal thing. This is an application to the Christian life. Here's what Jesus said about love. John 13 verses... By the way, Jesus proves that love is a choice because he loved us when he didn't need to love us. He loved us when we were sinners and lost, but he chose to love us. And he chose to give his life for us. And he didn't do it out of feeling and out of emotion. He did it out of a choice of his will because he truly loves us. And here's what Jesus said about love to his, command, uh, to his disciples. John 13, verses 34 and 35. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, talking to his disciples, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And then this is what Jesus said. And I guess probably this needs to be our motto. This needs to be put up somewhere in our churches. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you, have love, if you have love one for another. How will the world know that I'm a Christian? Not by me going to church. A lot of people who are not Christians go to church. Not by me being baptized. A lot of people who have never been saved have been baptized. How's the world going to know I'm a Christian? Because I love, one, I love other people. Because of the love of my life. How I love others. And so Jesus presents this standard for how we are to conduct ourselves in the face of our enemies. And it's tough. And you can just write it off. And you can say, well, that's good in concept, but that's not good practically. I can't do that. I don't know of anybody else that can do that. So I'll mouth an amen to it. But there ain't no way I'm going to love my enemy. See, we got to be better than that. We've got to listen to our Lord. And the day of Jesus, Bible teachers, the rabbis, taught that people, are to, that people were to love their neighbors. That's true. The rabbis that Jesus refers to, you have heard that it was said. In the day of Jesus, they taught from the Old Testament, the concept is there, the presentation is there, that people are to love their neighbor. But the rabbis added something else. You are to love your neighbor 
and you are to hate your enemy. That's why they talk. The rabbis of the day of Jesus even had an enemies list. They would sit in the synagogues and they would talking about would talk about loving their neighbor. They would identify their neighbor as a fellow Jew. You are to love your neighbor, your fellow Jew, your fellow countrymen. But also God requires you and God obligates you to hate some people. That's why they taught. You love this, this group, but you hate this group. And the rabbis of the day of Jesus had an enemies list. A list that all people who were Jews were obligated to hate. God expected you to hate these people. And that included the Romans. The rabbi said it was just, it was right. You have an obligation before God to hate all the Romans. And the Samaritans, those half-breed Jews up to the north, or if you were in Galilee, down to the south, you have an obligation because they're enemies of God and you are obligated to hate them. And all Gentiles, you are obligated to have a hatred for Gentiles. And those tax collectors, those Jewish people who had turned their back on the Jewish nation and who were collecting taxes on behalf of the Romans, you were certainly to hate them. And the lawbreakers, those who ignored the Jewish law, those who didn't meet up to the standard that rabbis thought people should live up to, you certainly had an obligation to hate them. And so the rabbis taught, and this is what they were taught in their synagogues. You were to love your fellow Jew, but you also have an obligation under God to hate certain people. And so the rabbis of the day of Jesus had elevated hatred into a virtue, an obligation that was owed to God. So here's what Jesus taught. He said, but I say unto you, here's what Jesus taught. Yes, you are to love your neighbor. That's codified. That's taught in the Old Testament. But Jesus said that the Old Testament never taught that you are to hate your enemy. While you are to love your neighbor, you are never taught to hate your enemy. In fact, the Old Testament taught the exact opposite. Listen to Leviticus 19, verses 17 through 18. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And so the Old Testament taught you are to love your neighbor. And you are even to love your enemy. Now, what a challenge for us. I don't, I don't go out to try to make people enemies. I don't try to be an enemy to anybody. And I don't really know as I stand here in this moment if anybody would identify themselves as my enemy. I don't know if I have any enemies. I may do. I, I know that what I stand for, what I believe, what I preach, what I teach... My Christian convictions and values may make me the enemy of some people in this society. But I don't know if I have any personal enemies. I mean, there might be some Florida Gator fans who are not really happy with me. But that's all right. I'll forgive them. I'll even love a Gator. Now, that's a challenge, I'm telling you. But maybe you have enemies. Maybe you've made some enemies of some people. Maybe you have enemies. 
who don't particularly like you and who would look for an advantage to maybe hurt you or something like that. And so Jesus says we are to love our enemies. I, I hate to be contrary to anybody. I, I hate to be in conflict with anybody. I just don't like that kind of thing. I want to live at peace. I want to live at peace. I mean, I, I've gotten... I know I'm not as old as some people, but I've gotten to the age I don't want to fight with nobody. <laughs> and I don't want to get in a hustle and a tussle and a conflict with anybody. I, I want to love people. I want to try to help people and encourage people. I don't want to be the enemy of, of anyone. I don't want to get in, you know, in the conflict with anyone. But I know probably it, it may happen, could happen, has happened in the past. So how are we supposed to love our enemies? How do you do that? Somebody who's done you harm, somebody who looks to do you harm, somebody who's talked about you, somebody who's attacked you. How are you supposed to love somebody like that? Well, I think Jesus helps us to understand how we're to love our enemies. First of all, he says that we are to love our enemies by praying for them. Verse 44, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now, of course, when you, you hear that, you, you immediately go to the cross where Jesus, the first words he said when he was on the cross is, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus prayed for his enemies while he was dying on the cross. And so we are to pray for our enemies. We are to pray for those who have wronged us. That's how we love our enemy. We pray for them. Now, some people have an enemies list. They have a mental list of people who have wronged them, mistreated them, cheated them, people they don't like, people who don't like them. They have a mental list. They may not write it down, but they have a mental list. You mention that name and that name's on that list. And I'm not going to have anything to do with them. And I don't care if they run off the ditch into the road and spill their Coca-Cola all over them. I don't care. You know, you, 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 you just don't care about them. Here's what Jesus teaches us. We are to take our enemies list and turn it into a prayer list. Take our enemies list and turn it into a prayer list. Jesus teaches that we are to pray for the good of our enemies. And here's what I've discovered. <laughs> it's kind of hard to hate somebody you're praying for. So if I ever feel like somebody may have something against me or somebody, you know, may not be really crazy about Brother Chris in some way and we're having some kind of issue, they always go first on my prayer list. And I pray for them. I pray, Lord, help me not to, you know, want to hit them <laughs> the next time I see them or something. You know, Lord, help me. Help me to love them. I know I'm not, you know, I don't really like what they've done and I don't like what they've said and I don't like what's going on. And right now I have to tell you, Lord, I don't love them at all, but help me to love them because I know it's what I'm supposed to do and I want to pray for them. And so Jesus teaches us to pray for our enemies. And it's hard to hate somebody that you're praying for. And as we pray for our enemies, we're to pray for ourselves, that anger and hatred will not lodge in our hearts. Back in World War II, there was a pastor in Germany. There were several German pastors who were courageous men who stood up against the Nazis, and they paid the price for it. Most of them were killed. 
by the Nazis. One individual uh, who was a German pastor by the name of Martin Niemöller was arrested for preaching against the Nazis in World War II. He later would be killed by them. But every day in his prison cell, he would pray, and he would pray out loud for his captors. And other prisoners who were incarcerated with him came to him and, and said, why are you praying for your enemies? Niemöller said this, well, do you know anyone who needs your prayers more than your enemies? <laughs> it's a good question. And yes, it's hard to pray for our enemies. So next time you're in that situation, let me, give, let me suggest to you the wording of a prayer. Lord, I hate this person, but you know that already. So I ask you to love this person through me because I can't do it out of my own power. I ask you for a love that I don't have, a love that I can't begin to produce. Help me to obey your word and love my enemy. Now, I want to tell you something. In your life as a Christian, God's going to put some, some heavenly sandpaper in your life. He's going to put people in your life that will challenge you. People in your life that, that maybe will run cross-current to you. People that you'll have issues with. That's like heavenly sandpaper. God will use that heavenly sandpaper to help to mold you and to make you into the person that he wants you to be. And so when you have an enemy, pray for your enemy. That's how we love them. Second of all, Jesus said that we are to love our enemies by doing good to them. Again, verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. The Bible teaches that we are to look for opportunities to do good to our enemies. Proverbs 25, 21. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. And I would add, don't spit in it before you give it to him. All right? Exodus 23, verses 4 and 5. If you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to take it back to him. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you, Fallen under its load. Do not leave it there. Be sure to help him. So we are to love our enemies by praying for them. We are to love our enemies by doing good to them. And, and I, here's what I've discovered. If you do good to somebody who's your enemy, it'll confuse them. Because <laughs> they fully expect you to be like they are. They've scratched at you and they fully expect you to scratch back. But if you do good to your enemy, it'll... It'll throw them off their game. It'll confuse them completely. The story is told that during the Revolutionary War, a civilian came to General George Washington, and he came to plead for the life of a soldier who had been tried and sentenced to death for desertion in battle. This man came to General Washington and, and said, Sir, I, I, I want to plead for the life of this man. Washington responded, true story. Washington responded, sir, I cannot save the life of your friend. Friend, the man exclaimed. This man I'm pleading for is not my friend. In fact, he is my most bitter enemy. Washington asked him, why are you then pleading for the life of your enemy? The man replied, because, sir, I am a Christian and it is my obligation to do so. Washington, when he heard that, commuted the sentence of the man who was scheduled to die. 
So we are to love our enemies by praying for them and doing good to them. Then Jesus said, we are to love our enemies by blessing them. Verse 44, I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Not bless them out now, but bless them. In other words, Jesus said, instead of cursing those who curse us, we are to respond to our enemies with words of mercy and grace. Now, see, we live in a socially connected world on social media. There's a lot of cursing and hating and going on on social media. You know, I'm on Facebook a little bit, Instagram a little bit. I go on Twitter. <laughs> now, here I am, a six, almost 69-year-old man talking about going on Twitter. How ridiculous is that? But those people on Twitter, those, are, those people are crazy. They curse and they attack. And you say, well, Brother Chris, why do you go on there? Well, I try to find out the latest news on the Georgia Bulldogs. That's why I'm on there. I don't know what they're on there for. But my word, there, there's just a lot of ugliness in our world, isn't there? By the way, that, yeah, that's why people want to come to church. They don't want to find the ugliness in the world in the church. And the church fails tremendously. When the church and its culture and its conversation and how people relate to one another begins to emulate the world. People don't want that when they come to church. They want to find love. Amen? And blessing and encouragement. They want to find a family. They want to find a group of people who will love them and care for them and show them the love of Christ. And so Jesus said, instead of cursing those who curse us, we are to bless them, respond with words of mercy and grace. That's what Jesus did. So Jesus said to love our enemies. So how are we supposed to love our enemies? We love our enemies by praying for them, by doing good to them, and by blessing them. That's how we love them, but why should we love our enemies? I mean, why? Well, Jesus talks about why we should do this. It's a big challenge. And I can imagine those 12 disciples as they're sitting there listening to that. It was like old Gomer Pyle on that show. And he'd say, golly, you know, they're sitting there thinking, Lord, what are you talking about? You want me to love a Roman? You want me to love a Gentile? Am I supposed to love a Samaritan? Are you serious? Am I supposed to love that guy down the road who took advantage of me, really? Why should we love our enemies? Why should we pay attention to this? Why should we obey this? Well, let me give you some reasons why. Number one is this, and this is the most important reason. One of the greatest testimonies to the world that you are a child of God, that you truly are a child of God, one of the greatest testimonies to the world is how you treat your enemies and how you treat those who mistreat you. Nothing will show your faith. Nothing will show the reality of your faith. Nothing will, will communicate to the world that you are a person of faith and you're a true follower of Jesus Christ by loving your enemy. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 45, when we love our enemies, we give testimony. Testimony to our enemies and to the world that we truly are a child of God. Now, to do this, you got to be prayed up. You can't live in the flesh and love your enemies. 
So as a Christian, you gotta, you gotta be consistent in your prayer life, in your daily disciplines. You gotta walk with the Lord. You gotta be filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, you can't do this out of your own strength and out of your own ability. It's gotta be God giving you the strength and wisdom and guidance and direction to love your enemy. And so the only way you can do this is if truly God does it through you. But what a testimony it is to the world and to your enemy that you truly are a child of God. I mean, anybody can fly off the handle and cuss and kick and throw things and attack people as we've been attacked. Anybody can do that. But it takes a man of God and a woman of God to respond to an enemy with love and grace. And what a testimony that is to the world. And by the way, that's not weakness. It's weak to give in to your fleshly desires and your fleshly inclination to respond. That's weakness. It takes strength to live the Christian life and a strength that comes from God. Another reason why we should love our enemies is this. We should choose to forgive our enemies more for our benefit than for theirs. It's not just for the benefit of your enemy that you should forgive them. It's for your benefit as well. Forgiving our enemies will help us not to be infected with a dangerous poison. Have you ever been infected by a poison? Maybe from a bug that stung you or, you know, God forbid that you accidentally ingested something or something like that. It's dangerous. And you're given instructions to call this number and to find out what to do and induce vomiting and do all this kind of stuff because you've got a poison in you. And it's dangerous and it can hurt you and even kill you. Well, forgiving our enemies will protect us from being, from being infected by a dangerous poison. And that poison is the poison of resentment and bitterness. You don't want to live with resentment and bitterness. Allowing resentment and bitterness to live within us is harmful. That's a harmful thing to do, to go around living in bitterness and resentment and anger. That is a harmful thing to do. We need to forgive our enemies more for our benefit, as much for our benefit as it is for theirs. Let me share with you a study that I found. Medical studies, medical studies have shown that allowing unforgiveness, resentment, holding grudges, and bitterness to take hold in our life puts people who do that at risk for cardiovascular diseases and events like strokes and high blood pressure and heart attacks. Being in this emotional state where you're holding on to unforgiveness and resentment and all of this stuff can also compromise and impair your immune system. It will result in the lack of your ability to fight off physical diseases of many types. And it also elevates your cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone. It's good when you respond to an immediate stressor, but if cortisol in your body stays high, as it does when we are chronically unforgiving or self-condemning, then it affects virtually every physical system in our body. This includes shrinking our brain, affecting our digestion, our blood circulation, and our immune system. 
If you hold on to bitterness and anger and you hold on to that and you let it fester and you let it take hold in your life, it will affect you physically. It will also affect you emotionally. The study continued, holding on to resentment and bitterness also is related to many types of psychological problems such as depression, anxiety, stress-related problems, anger control, and psychosomatic problems. Holding on to bitterness also will affect you in your relationships. It will make you resentful and bitter, and that will harm how you relate to people who are not even involved in what you're going through, but how you relate to people, how you relate to others, and it will affect how you relate to God. So why should I love my enemy? Why should I do that? Well, it gives great testimony to the world that I am a Christian, and also... It's as good for my benefit as well as my enemy. You don't need to hang on to that stuff. You need to get it in, get it out. And let me tell you, you can come talk to Brother Chris. That's a good thing. I'll listen to you. I'll listen to you hammer whoever you want to hammer on. But it's a better thing just to go to God. And just to be honest with God, He already knows. Just say, Lord, I'm angry. I'm mad. I want to get even. This is not right. And just let them have it before the Lord. And then when you get it all out of your system and say, God, I know it's not right. You've got to help me to forgive. I know that's what you want me to do. And I can't do it out of my own strength or my own ability. I can only do it if you help me. You need to get it out. You don't, let that, you don't need to let that poison sit in your life. Because it will poison you physically, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. In your relationships with others. And with God. Thirdly, the third reason we should love our enemies is this. If Jesus did not love his enemies, you and I would not be saved. Did Jesus practice what he preached? You better believe it. Because if Jesus did not love his enemies, you and I would not be saved. Here's what the Bible says about us. You know, the Bible, it's pretty plain. The Bible says before we were saved, we were the enemies of God. We were living in rebellion and rejection of God. Before we were saved, we were God's enemies. Romans 5.10, For when we, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. I hate to burst your bubble, but God did not save you and me because we deserved it. We are not saved because of who we are. We are saved in spite of who we are. Even though we were sinners, enemies of God, God chose to save us. And forgive us by his amazing grace and his marvelous mercy. And he did that when we repented of our sin. When we received his son, Jesus Christ, as our Savior and Lord. When Jesus commands us to love our enemies. He's only commanding us to do for others. What he's already done for us. <laughs> and so Jesus says. We are to love our enemies. The goal of the Christian life is to love others as God has loved us. Jesus ended this state section by saying, Therefore you shall be perfect 
as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, we can't be perfect. We know that in a sinless sense. But the word perfect here means to strive for a goal. Our goal, the goal we strive for, is to be what God would have us to be. And one thing that God would have us to do is to love our enemies. Now, I said this to a person one time, and they got mad. I hope they got over it because they never talked to me again. But this is the truth. I mean, in this day, boy, the truth is an enemy of a lot of people. They don't want to hear the truth. But this is the truth. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are the enemy of God. Now, you may not feel like an enemy. You may declare, oh, no, I'm not God's enemy. I love God. I thank God. But if you have rejected the God's Son, then you are God's enemy. You have rejected His grace. You have rejected His Son who died for you on the cross. You have rejected His love. You have disobeyed His command to repent and believe. You have disobeyed His Word. You're an enemy of God. And I will tell you this, the Bible also says that if you're not a Christian, God loves you. But it also said God is your enemy. Therefore, we must have reconciliation with God. doesn't mean God doesn't love you. But you've chosen to be an enemy of God. And God is against all that that you have chosen to do in your life. But in spite of all of that, God loves you. Christ died for you. And if you will turn from your sin and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He will forgive you. He will save you from the penalty of your sin and a lost and an empty life. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We need to be reconciled. How are we reconciled to God? Through Jesus Christ. <laughs> Through Jesus Christ. He sent Jesus into the world to make it possible that we might have peace with God. And so what a challenge for us, amen, as Christian people, to love our enemies. Can we practically do it? No. Can we, with the Lord's help, do it? Yes. Practically means I'll try to do it out of my own strength, and that's not going to happen. But I can trust in the Lord. I can walk with Him. And I can realize when this stuff comes into our life, it's a challenge. But, oh, I want to be obedient to Christ. Don't you? And so... If you have an enemy, go outside in the yard and hit the tree. Take a baseball bat, don't use your fist, and hit the tree. And then go to the Lord and confess it all out and get it all out and say, Lord, I know what I need to do. Help me to do it. And what a witness to the world you will be. You know? Amen? We always remember what Jesus said when he went on the cross. The first thing he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Thank you for joining us for our program today. Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall is a presentation of Hall Sports Communications. To contact us, you can send an email to chrishall71 at hotmail.com. That's chrishall71 at hotmail.com. Be sure to join us for our next program. Until then, stay safe and may God bless you.